Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing? Welcome to the show. As always, we've got a great show planned for you. I promise, I promise, I promise in the second hour we are going to talk about sex. I know it's been a while since we've gotten into some uh, the dirties, uh, so we'll be talking about that in the second hour. Um, just so you know, calling it out, putting it on the table. If you hear a little congestion in my throat, yep, something's going on there, and uh, it is not COVID. It is not COVID. It is not COVID. I'm not saying that to my listeners. I'm saying that to my immune system. I'm saying, listen up. It is just some congestion. It is allergies, or it's the weather. Uh, warm weather's on its way. So for the, those of you that are sun babies, sun worshippers, and sun lovers. God bless. <laughs> Enjoy that. That means Dr. D will be slowly retreating into the indoor dark cave. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about a topic that's often on my mind. I talk, there was a time when I was talking a lot about sleep, how to get sleep, why we're not sleeping, sleep hygiene, uh, something I'm obsessed with, but it's also one of the most important foundational things we can do for our mental and physical health. Uh, looking, I was looking at an article and again, second uh, hour of the show, we're going to get into the sex stuff, but right now we're going to talk about why you feel tired all the time. A lot of people are talking about that in my practice. I, I, I kid you not, at least one time in almost every session or almost one time in most conversations I have with anyone in the world, exhaustion comes up at some point. Um, it is, it's everywhere. And we need to do two different things. We need to tackle what we can tackle in terms of alleviating what might be creating that and also just change our relationship to it. One of the most important parts of mental health and emotional regulation is changing our relationship to the different mood states and feelings that we have. And the work is not about suppressing. It's also not about, though, amplifying or dramatizing. It's about just allowing, making room for, and being with. So really, really, really hear that. Because we tend to go in the other two directions. If we're feeling something, we think we shouldn't feel it, we suppress it, and we stuff it, or we shame it. Um or we crank that bad boy up and we dramatize it. And, and neither are very honest and neither are very healthy. The middle point is where we want to be, which is where we feel it, but at the right appropriate level. And that's why I use this word with a lot of my clients. I say, right size it, make sure you right size it. The work of emotional regulation is first identifying what I'm feeling, you know, and giving it a term. And there's so many things that are happening just at that moment. It sounds maybe stupid. Like, well, why am I labeling how I feel? Oh God, the intense neurological, psychological process that happens through such a simple thing is quite profound because what you're doing is you're first, you're acknowledging it. And that's important because a lot of people don't know what they're feeling. And that helps us start to get a sense of control, right? Then the second piece is in labeling it, you are starting to work with your mind 
versus letting your mind run, your mind or your mood run your behavior. So by labeling it, you're, you're taking control, you're identifying, you're letting your executive functioning come more online. So you're going from more of like, a, you know, your limbic system, which is just emotions run wild to your neocortex, which is our site of judgment and rationality. So you're, you're starting to be able to work with it. You're calling it out. You're getting a sense of control. And that also starts to soothe and crank it down inherently on its own. Just by saying, wow, I'm feeling really angry right now, or I'm feeling really sad. It makes it workable, it makes it known, and it starts to soothe us. All of that starts to happen. And then the second step is always right-sizing it. Based on what's going on, what level of reaction is appropriate for this? And most of the things in our lives are like twos or threes on a scale zero to 10, 10 being extreme intensity, zero being nothingness. Most of them are just annoyances and frustrations. Someone cutting you off in line, a store being out of, you know, whatever it is you went in there to get, um, <clears throat> things like that. But we're a big fan of instead of letting it be what it is, cranking that bad boy up, making everything higher. Now, again, like I always say, if it's abuse or an injustice, yeah, that's like a six, a seven, an eight, a nine or a 10, but most of our lives are not that high. And then if this is something that's happening within the context of you and another person or a relationship, the work is about sharing it with them. That is to what? Work through. That is to process. It's also to get someone else to weigh in on it. We make a lot of decisions and we are guided by our emotions. But when we kind of share it with another person, they can kind of, we've cranked it down. We've brought it to them and they can be like, yeah, that's not actually what I meant or that's not what I was thinking. And so that sharing has to also have that relational component where we let ourselves be influenced by the other person. Because a lot of times with our emotions, we're very self-centered and we just think what we think. If someone said, hey, I'll call you tomorrow morning and then tomorrow morning arrives and we don't hear from them, we are like, well, that's not okay. I'm mad. And we get into this whole state versus saying, Hey, um, I never heard from you. Is everything okay? Or whatever it is where this person is able to explain that they also are a human living a life and can tell you what might've happened. It's called mentalizing this idea that there's this other person who's living a life and what might be going on for them. Why might they be running late and not just making it about me and being self-centered. I'm angry at you because you showed up late. We hold space and we say, Hey, you were, you know, what's going on? And we let them let us know what might've been happening for them versus making solid decisions based on our feelings. Um, all right. Enough about that. That was just a little side tangent. But when we come back, we're going to talk about different reasons why uh, maybe you're feeling all the tired all the time. And then later in the show, we'll be doing some sex stuff, amping up the love stuff, you know? All right. So uh, DMs always open. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, drop them on us. That's again, our Loveline IG page. Give us a follow back. Uh, yeah, we'll be back. Stick around, y'all. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right y'all we are back and uh we're talking about reasons why you might be exhausted why well it's not just a physical health thing exhaustion also impacts our mental health and our relationships we're tired. We don't have the energy to deal with our emotions or to deal with other people. Think about it. Later at night, that's when we're our crankiest. That's when it's hardest for us to stay on target, stay on plan, or to stay loving and soft and relational. We have exhausted our resources in the morning and the afternoon, <laughs> traditionally. And, you know, to be focused and to regulate ourselves and to be kind and to be calm requires energy. And if we're depleted, we won't have the necessary stuff. That's why it's really important to do whatever might be more emotionally taxing earlier on in the day when you are at your most robust. As the day winds down, we <clears throat> it's really hard to uh, take care of ourselves, to stay regulated, to be thoughtful and loving because we're burnt out. So just put that in your put that feather in your cap, as they say, or stuff that in your back pocket. Um, certain lifestyle factors definitely cause fatigue. Now, some of you. This might not be relatable. This might be a very uh, LA-centric kind of topic for a second, just this one little moment. But one of the first things I talk to a lot of clients about is we live in a very body-obsessed culture. And our exercise and working out, which is necessary, move your body, but there's a lot of ways we can do that. A lot of people are overtraining and they're not working out for health, they're working out for aesthetics. And some of us, we are just not genetically built or lifestyle built to have the body we idealize or romanticize or think we need to have to find you know, desirability or to feel desirable. Um, and so what we're left with then is really damaging our bodies in order to force. And if the body you want to have requires you to eat in a disordered way or to overtrain, then that is not a body you're meant to have and that's not going to be a healthy body for you. Because remember, and not everyone likes to hear this, if you are working out and health isn't the main goal and you are only working out or working out to the extent you are and as often as you are and as for long as you are because you're terrified of weight gain, then your exercise is not healthy because mental health matters first. 
And whatever you're doing that is detrimental or toxic for your mental health is then not healthy. All definitions of health must include mental health and how that's impacted, period, end of story. So you can't just say, oh, well, it's good for my physical body. Doesn't matter that it's you know, overtraining, stressing me out and keeping me trapped in diet and toxic gym culture and I don't feel desirable otherwise and I'm missing out on important things and whatever, whatever. No, that is not healthy. And again, most of our working out, we use the word health, but we're really just talking about aesthetics. We think we need to you know, look a certain way. So point being, a lot of people are exhausted because they're working out too much <clears throat> or they're not moving enough. We have to be doing both. Um, also moving our bodies and sweating, et cetera, et cetera, is really good for anxiety, depression, things like that. But this is something the experts say. So this is a quote, 20 minutes of moderate exercise at least five days a week can help you get better rest. You know, and there's people that are in the gym for two hours a day, that's too much. So anyway, check in on that. Maybe you need to cut back the severity or not the severity, I should say. Maybe you need to cut back the intensity, the frequency, um, the stress load that you're applying. Because remember, for some people, their exercise routine literally depletes them of all the excess energy that they might have had to put into their relational life, their social life, their work life, their mental life. Also, people exercising right before bed. I know for some people, they're like, that's all the time I have in my schedule. And for those, do we do what we got to do? But I'm pointing it out that for some, exercising before bed will not allow you to fall asleep. And they say, the experts, that it's better before bed to do something more low-key. And that would be like some gentle stretching, some yoga, uh, maybe a little bit of a walk. Um, here's a direct quote. You probably don't want to exercise within three to four hours of your planned bedtime. That's from a sleep expert in New York. I know. I'm about to drop another one on you that you're not gonna like. Being glued to your phone, spending too much on your phone. Yep, because of that bright light stimulation, the television falls under that as well. And that's why some people use these like blue light or these lenses or these screens. Um, but it can impact your circadian rhythm and your sweet sleep quality by impacting melatonin. That's the sleep inducing hormone. It's those bright lights. And that's what most people do before bed. They're watching television and on their phone and then they climb into bed and they're on their phone. I even had a roommate years and years and years and years ago who would wake up with his phone still in his hand. Literally, he would pass out within his hand. So he would sleep, but he wouldn't sleep soundly. It was often really groggy, really tired, and that was part of it. So the experts say, dim the lights when you get home after work, which I inherently do. Use lamps instead of harsh overhead lights. Lower the brightness on your phone, computer, or television. Um, that will let your body have that signal, it's sleep is coming. So crank down the, uh, the brightness. You know, there's somewhat of an easy solution. Um, here's another one. Advise my patients to completely stop using electronics 30 to 60 minutes before planned bedtime. People are like, wait a minute, a half an hour to an hour before bed? Well, then what am I doing in that time if I can't be TikToking or watching my shows? Uh, maybe taking a bath. <laughs> maybe just laying on the couch restfully. Maybe like I do, I sit in the dark and I listen to music. I find music so soothing. I haven't talked about this in a while, but like music has become such a meaningful companion to me. If I'm in a bad mood, I play music that kind of like maybe puts me in a little bit of a better space if I want that or, you know, something that maybe helps me drop deeper down in. But the, those darn phones, <laughs> the impact they have on us in so many diverse ways is quite quite shocking at times. Also, sometimes they said your uh, pillow or mattress needs a serious upgrade. That I don't even know how to weigh in on. I don't even know how you assess that. I mean, there's a standard that said you should replace your pillow every two years. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't know by looking at it or feeling it, what is an indicator that it's time. I, I, that is like a very foreign concept to me. Um, but pillow every two years, do people do that? 
I hadn't actually ever thought about that. I'm going to like write a note to myself, get new pillows. Cause it probably has been about that. Do we, that's something, I mean, I know there's a privilege part of that. Not everyone can afford or has access to new pillows, but that's an interesting one to think about. All right, we're going to take a, we're going to come back and we're going to keep talking about sleep and then we'll do some DMS and then we'll do some sex stuff. So, um, Stick around, y'all. If you want to check out past episodes of the show, go to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line, and click on it. You can binge, post, reshare, listen, and then DMs are always open. If you got a question, topic, something you want us to circle back and drop deeper into, drop it on there. But stick around, y'all. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we are back and we are talking about why you might be exhausted all the time, why you might not be sleeping well. Multitude of reasons, but we're just kind of going through some of them. Oi, might be exercising too much. Maybe exercising not enough, right? It's too hot, it's too cold. Maybe you're exercising right before bed. Nah, gotta give yourself a few hours. Maybe it's because you have your phone light cranked up, too much brightness. Messes with your circadian rhythm and sleep quality. We want that melatonin to be pumping, knocks us out. So about 30 minutes to an hour before bed, turn those bad boys off or crank down the uh, brightness. We were also talking about the fact that every two years you need a new pillow. I had never heard that number. I thought it was a little bit longer. Mattress, that I don't have an answer to. Um, They said, especially if you're allergic to dust, that might impact your sleeping well. You really want to replace them even sooner. I love this quote. This is awesome. They're like, yeah, your mass, your mattress needs to be new as well. If you feel like you never feel like you sleep well and you can't remember when you bought it, time to get a new one. I like that. If you can't remember when you bought it, it's definitely time. Um, I'm bad with chronology though, so I can't place things very well in, in time. So I couldn't tell you. I could say something like, oh, my mattress is three years old and I got it last week. That's how my brain works. My dad was like that. Bad with place and time. Uh, good with academic detail though. Never forget a thing in that, in that capacity. Uh, your diet, God bless. What are y'all eating? (laughs) So it's not just about working out and moving in pillows and mattresses, uh, vitamin D got to get that D a lack of that D and vitamin B12 in your diet can leave your muscles feeling fatigued. Now that's an interesting comment. Why does that matter? Um, we're going to skip that one because this is getting really into about muscle loss. And we're not trying to keep our muscles. We're trying to sleep better. So we're going to skip over that one. Here's one, though. I was reading some of the research on cannabis. And a lot of people might, you know, use cannabis medicinally or for entertainment purposes or, you know, sexual purposes. And, you know, so much like alcohol, they're like, oh, well, it's it could be a depressant, right? So, of course, that, you know, makes me sleepy. So we think that that means we're going to get a good solid night of sleep. Actually, no. Uh, it makes you sleepy at first. But alcohol, much like cannabis at times, disrupts deep restorative stages of sleep. Hear that word, deep restorative stages of sleep. Those are the stages that actually matter. And then you end up sleeping on a more lighter superficial level. That's why we wake up feeling crappier. So it's it also sets a stage, I didn't know this, for breathing issues, nightmares, and sleepwalking or talking. That could be fun depending on whether you're sleeping with someone or not. But it's not restful. So think about the substances you're consuming before bed. And if you don't like the way you're sleeping, maybe take a break from those. I think it would be a good idea to take a break from those now and then anyway. We shouldn't be drinking or using anything every day in theory. Um, Eating a big meal before bed, I do this at times. Um, Even though the article said it's a no-brainer, it wasn't for me. You know, I'd heard this, but uh, I'm a night eater. Uh, But eating before bed, not a great idea. A full stomach can also affect your sleep quality. I know. Can also lead to heartburn or GERD. 
God. What are we allowed to do? You know what I mean? Like, are we not allowed to have any nice things? But then at this, it's always the polarized pieces. So don't, don't eat a big meal before bed, but also don't go to bed hungry. <laughs> it's always about finding the middle way, right? That sweet spot. Uh, dehydration is a problem as well. But going back to going, not going to bed hungry, um, uh, it can cause you to stay awake. Basically, your growling stomach can wake you up. Um, so maybe they say have a light bedtime snack, but also stay hydrated. But here, here comes that whole thing again. You, they don't want you to be dehydrated. And again, I'm not blaming the experts. They don't make the rules. They're just sharing with us, you know, what they learn. Uh, and I'm not an expert on sleep by any means. Dehydration's bad, but overhydration's bad. Overhydration, you're getting up to pee a lot. Dehydration, you're not going to sleep well, and you're going to have a lot of fatigue and problems concentrating in the morning. <laughs> Everything again is about the middle way. Oh God, hitting the coffee too hard. I know, I know my coffee cut off. Uh, they say it takes about four to six hours for your body to metabolize half of the caffeine you consumed. So you'll want your coffee cut off to be at least four to six hours before your bedtime. I always cut my coffee off by 4 p.m. Some people have to cut it off at like one or two. I'm good up until about 4 p.m., 4, 4.30, I'll still sleep well. Also they say you might have problems sleeping if you work the night shift, depending on what your job is. That's reasonable. Um, you, you know, it's all about transitions. And we can't just come home, hitting the ground running and think we're going to crash and sleep well. You know, we have to transition into sleep. Uh, what else? Working the night shift. You're staying up too late. Yeah, we know that one. Um, your parents, so you got kids keeping you up. Here's another one. This is very emotional. Something might not be feeling right in your life or your relationship. It's actually reasonable. It's hard for us to sleep if we have that anxiety in our bodies or we're worrying. You know, is everything okay with me and my partner? Is my partner mad at me? We're ruminating on a conversation that was had or something that didn't happen. And that can be really, really, really hard. Now, it becomes difficult because we do want to go to bed angry. We don't want to stay up, dysregulated, battling it out, getting no sleep and saying things we can't take back because we're tired and we can't be aware of ourselves. So sometimes we have to just go to bed angry. But I also appreciate that sometimes we can't go to bed if we have all that energy in our bodies. And sometimes we do need to talk it through a little bit, or we need to just do a better self-talk saying, we'll be okay until tomorrow. You know, nothing bad is happening. I'm not feeling great, but I'm going to sleep and tomorrow we'll revisit this and everything's okay. You know, we have to be able to hold space for that. But that's about trusting you, your partner in the relationship. All right, we're coming up next. We're going to be doing some DMs, so stick around for them. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back dropping some gems in those DMs, so stick around. All right, y'all, we are back. And uh, before we get to the DMs, uh, starting dropping some of the uh, sex gems, I want to start scattering some of these throughout, maybe using some of the DM segment to kind of share a few tips and tricks, dropping some quick gems as opposed to the segments where we tend to drop deeper. I think it's it's kind of like uh, the difference between a home-cooked meal. Each segment of the show is a home-cooked meal. We sit with it. We savor it. We talk about the different ingredients and the flavor profile. But then the DMs, it's like a fast food. Yo, just give me that burger. I want to shove it down, suck down that shake, put a smile on my face, wipe my mouth, and move on with my lives. All right, number one, sex tip, communicate more. What? I know. We don't want to mind read. It's shocking to me that people say things like, he should know what I like. What? He should be able to read my body. No, no. I advise people to do the absolute opposite. Ask and tell. Yes, tell. Hey, feels really good when you. Yes, that feels good. Please keep doing that. Oh, last time when you fill in the blank, I really enjoyed it. Can we do that again? Communicate. That is a necessary level of intimacy building and vulnerability. And there's something very erotic in that. So share, 
share, and then share some more. And if you're client, if you're your client, well, maybe if you're a sex worker, it is a client, but if it's your sex partner, then say things like, does that feel good? Is that okay? Do you like that? Ask questions, get them comfortable vocalizing. Not everyone's able and comfortable doing that. Second thing, add novelty. Newness and novelty is the most arousing thing sexually. We fall into routines. Any shift in that routine will help and be hot. The change in when, the change in how, the change in where, what we stop doing, how we start, all those things shift it. Start with what you normally end with. End with what you normally start with. Shift it, shake it up, change it. That's all you need to do. It's not about bigger, faster, harder, louder. That's what some people think. It's about amping up the intensity and bringing more stuff in. Sometimes, but it's also sometimes about doing going slower, using different parts of the body, changing up the time of day, where we do it, when we do it, how we do it. All those little small things count. All right, we'll be doing some more sex gems at the uh, next DM later in the second hour, the next hour. Sliding into the DMs. All right, this DM comes from our Loveline IG page. That's where all the questions come from. It says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Alyssa. I'm adopted. And as I get older, I realize that my adoptive family are not people that I want to associate with. Ugh. Forever thankful to them for raising and helping me, but they're Trump supporters. Oh, shoot. They're surrounded by anger and depression. On the opposite of that, is it wrong to push them away? Listen, you are not obligated to be a part of any family system that is toxic and not healthy for you. I don't care what, why, when, or how it came to be. It doesn't matter. And I hate when people say, but it's family, whether adopted, chosen, or birth, or genetic. If a group isn't healthy for you, then it is not right for your mental health and mental health comes first. Now, I always do advocate for not just bouncing, but talking it out first. So I will always advocate if it is a safe, non-abusive environment where you're not, af- you're not afraid of violence or retaliation and you know that you can get your basic needs met and there's not a threat of abandonment or you know not getting your basic needs met, sit down and share with them your concerns. I love you guys, but I'm considering wondering if this is the right family dynamic or unit for me to be a part of because of what comes with your play political beliefs. It's personal choice. Um, I personally have said this on the show and it's very radical for some. I can't be around people that don't have good ethics and values and people that support Trump um, and that whole party aren't people that in my mind really value the same ethics, spirituality and uh, human rights and, and civil rights that I do. Um, they question the validity of certain individuals. I think every individual, regardless of who they are, what they've done has worth and value. So that is a personal decision, but I will always advocate for you first sharing with an individual or a family system what your issues are to give them a chance to maybe grow and change. Um, I've seen the opposite happen, which has been painful, where someone wasn't told what was going on, wasn't given a chance to step up and be better, and they might have been, and they could have been, and they would have been, but that opportunity wasn't given to them. So I always say, first, make sure you bring it up, because that's a good skill to have, and I think out of respect for anyone we've built a relationship to, um, we should be able to talk about those things. So talk it out first. But again, it doesn't matter if it's you, you know family by blood and genetics and birth, family by adoption, family by choice, or whatever else it might be. That doesn't mean you are obligated to somehow stay close and connected. Not true. Um, our mental health comes first. Always, you know? It's a great question and it's a struggle and it might be something that doesn't have a solid answer right away. So talk to them first, see what kind of response you get, see if that makes sense to you and feels okay. Let us know how that goes. Questions come from our Loveline DMs. If you've got a question for us, drop it in there. We are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. More to come, so stick around and join us for listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris, Channel Q, and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all.
All right, y'all, we are back. We're just going to talk a little bit more about exhaustion, then we're going to drop into some sex stuff as promised. So stick around, but we were talking about how it's hard to sleep when there's something wrong with your relationship or you think there is. And I was saying that we do want to be able to go to bed angry. We don't want to just stay up till God knows what time, battling it out, unable to take back horrible things we've said that do damage to us and our partners and our relationship. And Sometimes we have to say, listen, uh, we'll deal with this tomorrow. I trust that me and my partner will revisit this. I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to see how I feel tomorrow. I'll feel better. I'll have more energy. I'll feel rested. Things will have digested a little bit. We'll revisit it. We have to learn how to shelve and compartmentalize things. We have to learn how to come back to things. Just like I say to couples when they're at the wrong wrong place when something happens or they're away on vacation or they're you know visiting family, that is not the time to unpack an ongoing chronic issue. Shelve it and say, we'll come back to this when we get home. We're on vacation. We're away. It's the holidays. And, and know that you will. We have to be, we have to be able to do that. Uh, unless it's an immediate crisis, I say you have to be able to circle and come back to it. We ha- it's a skill we have to have. We can't always say, I don't feel good and we need to resolve it in the moment. That is actually a lack of emotional regulation. We have to have some boundaries and we have to be able to connect to that person and say, listen, I still care about them. I still love them. And we get to decide how the rest of the day goes. Now is not the time to step into this. And we have to be able to hold both. That is where emotional regulation is most needed. If not then, then what's the point of even learning how to do that or having that term? It's that we can choose when we enter into these emotional states and dialogues. Um, So we have to be able to kind of sit with that. Pandemic fatigue is something we've talked a lot about. Uh, People are burnt out. Um, It's an understandable reaction to the stress and tragedy. And then we look at what's going on globally in the world, um, the job market. It's very understandable that people are just feeling anxiety consistently in their bodies. And that's when we talk about, you know, just really dealing with emotional regulation better. And, and these are the times when we have to practice our self-soothing skills. I like all those S's, self-soothing. And it's the S's, social, senses, spiritual, self-talk, and then movement. And uh, just a quick recap of that basically means if we are away on vacation or our partners at work, we don't flood them while they're at work with whatever we think we need to get off our chest or get resolved because we can't comfortably regulate ourselves and wait till they get home. So that's a hard boundary. If your partner's working or doing childcare or busy, chill out. You have to be able to hold emotion and circle back to it. Uh, we also, reminder, don't do any emotional processing over text. We wait until we see them face to face. We have to be able to tolerate and contain emotions until we can sit and see them. Remember, we can be harsher and more toxic when we can't look at someone. And that's why it's important to have difficult conversations face to face, or at least on FaceTime or the phone so we can hear them, be soothed, understand what's happening. We do not have difficult conversations over text and we don't flood people when they're focused at work or something else. So what do we do in the meantime? Self-soothing skills. It's all the F's. Social, call a friend to distract you, to ground you, to process it a little bit ahead of time. Maybe they'll even tell you it's not reasonable. Another S, senses. Do something with your senses. Go play music. Do something auditory. Music will soothe you and calm you. Do something visual. Use essential oils. I love smelling essential oils. Maybe you cook something, but you do something with the senses. You go watch something. You go listen to something. The other one, spiritual. Maybe you pray. Maybe you meditate. Maybe you center yourself in your values. What kind of person or partner do I want to be in general? What kind of person or partner do I want to be to my partner in difficult times? Let me maybe act and live and behave from that. The other S, self-talk. Talk yourself through it. Hey, we still love each other. Hey, 
we will figure this out. Hey, this isn't the worst thing in the world. This is a three or a four. This isn't a 10. Social, senses, spiritual self-talk. And then when that all fails, movement. Go for a walk. Get that energy out of your body. Go for a workout. Do some push-ups. That's how we soothe ourselves when we need to learn how to contain or wait to process or until we can see someone because we're not getting on our text and we're not flooding someone when they're out with their friends or they're at work. That's not kind. That's not appropriate. You chill and you contain until they get home. Because some people do that. They're, they're flooding their partner on text, which is a no-no, while they're out with their friends, which is a no-no, or calling, oh my God, contain and regulate. They're, they're out with their friends. They'll be back. Breathe. <laughs> um, also, sometimes the, pr the problem with sleeping is because you're just bored. I know, believe it or not. That, that feeling of boredness can translate to a sense of tiredness wind us down, but yet we're not sleepy. feels like we're sleepy. Don't know what else to do. We've done nothing. We're laying in bed. It's a mess. Plan your schedule, stay busy, structure. Some health problems are in there. You could have insomnia. It's tough times. The basic bottom line, honestly, in all of this is we have to be kind with ourselves. <laughs> we have to kind of allow ourselves to be where we are. You know, not all of this is about fixing and removing and eliminating. Some of it is about making room for and allowing and saying, hey, I'm not necessarily sleeping great. I've kind of gone through the checklist. I'm just going to have to be open to and allow that because we don't want to add another layer of stress by saying not only can I not sleep, but this also shouldn't be. But a lot of times some of the sleep stuff is emotional, social, relational stuff, or it's, you know, again, like we said, working out too close to bedtime, the caffeine or the television and the phones and, and all of those overstimulating, rousing things. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to drop into some sex stuff. We're going to be doing some sex tips, getting us refocused on the quality of eroticism and romance within our lives. So stick around for that. And then we'll be closing out with some DMs. So if you got a DM, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We will be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to do a little sex talk because it is Loveline. Put the kids away, turn the radio, do whatever you need to do. We're going to do some uh, adult talk. So sex, 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 sex. It's an important part of a relationship. It's an important part of our lives. I want to remind everyone that, um, let's say you're single and you want to be in a relationship and you're looking for something primary, serious, committed, even monogamous. Don't think that you can't at the same time, if you want, still be participating in hookup culture or casual sex. And in fact... Honestly, for those that are truly interested in meeting someone, part of hookup culture and casual sex is the possibility of meeting someone where through that sex you realize, wow, you're super cool. We have a lot in common. Conversation's great. And you say, let's go to dinner. Let's exchange numbers. Many people, including myself, have had some amazing partnerships and long-term relationships born out of having just met for sex, adult hooking up. So don't think that if someone's open to casual sex, that means that they are absolutely completely closed off or not eligible to be considered as a serious partner they are in fact maybe even more so because they're taking every opportunity and exploring every avenue so we have to stop sex shaming and slut shaming people our current sex life our historical sex life has nothing to do with our character our worth or value as a person or a kind of partner we'd be or a parent or a professional that is based on our ethics our character and our value system and that alone if you respect people and you respect all women or whatever it is, then you respect all of them regardless of their sex lives and their sexual history. 
for those of us that are sexually confident and sex positive, we've bumped into some sex shaming, you know? And I've even talked to people, clients, where they're like, yeah, I'm not hooking up or having casual sex because I'm one of a serious relationship. And I'm saying they are not mutually exclusive. They can exist at the same time. You can be having fun while still open and looking for something more serious. So I wanted to kind of frame that and call that out. Um, we have to get better about that. All right, so the first thing I wanna remind everyone is comfort is key. What does that mean? It means that we can't perform. I don't even like that word perform, but I'm gonna use it so that we all are on the same page with the point I'm trying to make. We can't perform sexually if we don't feel safe and relaxed. So if you're showing up to have sex, there's an expectation on you, the bar is too high, your partner's maybe shaming or overwhelming you or stressing you out, it's very reasonable and likely that you won't be able to relax enough to become fully aroused and to stay aroused. And that's what I'm telling clients to not have sex in positions or with expectations or with partners that they don't feel safe or comfortable with. We are not always able to show up in the way we want to or let our guard down. Because arousal, believe it or not, requires relaxation. That is part of the parasympathetic system. And then orgasm and ejaculation are part of the sympathetic system. So it's that easy balance in the beginning of feeling safe enough but turned on enough. And physical, arousal and psychological arousal, one can override the other, which is why pills like Viagra, I'm not supportive of using because there is no such thing as erectile dysfunction, except in the few cases where you never get aroused. But if you can get an erection while when you wake up in the morning or while you have sex with yourself, then you don't have that issue or disorder. And you are just having erectile disappointments. And we don't want to use a pill because then we're relying on the pill or our confidence is tied to the use of this pill. The work is actually about working with what is using your erection when you have one, and when you don't staying in the pleasure, sex is not about performance. Sex is not about penetration. Sex is not even about orgasm. It's about connection, fun, pleasure. And there are so many ways to do that. We have tongues, fingers, toys, stay in the game. If your erection's not doing what you want, keep going sexually by doing other things. I also tell people, again, to not have sex that they don't want to have. Don't commit to anything. You don't know how your body will react, what you'll feel down for, what you'll be interested in. And so don't commit. We're, we're having sex we want to have, and we are being guided first by comfort. Second reminder, and this is all coming out of my clinical practice, follow your own pleasure. We are often too hyper-focused on what we think our partner wants or needs. Now, we do want to be aware that there's another human being there and focus on them receiving pleasure and enjoying it as well. But our main driving focal point and force should be, as we're looking at this person in front of us, what turns us on? when we, What do we imagine doing to them that feels arousing to us? And be guided by that, not mind reading. And if you want to know, ask your partner, what would you like me to do? What feels good to you? But outside of that, do what makes sense and feels good to you. Don't focus so much on them. Be guided again by what you feel turned on, imagining doing as you're looking down at them. Those are the two most important factors. So, you know, we're going to, when we come back next, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more, but I want to just kind of circle the block and drive those two points home. Because in hookup culture, some people will make a commitment saying, yeah, I'm going to come over and I'm going to do that. Or you come over and we'll do this. But that's not body positive or sex positive. Because until the person arrives and we start having sex, we don't know what we will co-create. We don't know what we might feel like doing. We don't know what our body will be open to based on how we feel in that environment and around that person. And really disembodied body negative sex is where we just show up and we just bang, 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 and we're not paying attention to the partner, what we co-create, how we feel, what our body wants, what we need, and we're checked out and we're in our head and out of our body. Now, there's a space for that, but that really is not a good practice. And so I always tell people, say to a partner, I don't know what I'll feel like doing and we'll figure it out when we get there. We'll have fun because again, it, there's no wrong way to do sex. 
There is no goal. We're not trying to get anywhere. We're just trying to be present with ourself and this person and allow whatever is co-created and emerges to emerge. It, the best word is really pleasure and play. We're going to play together. We're going to play together and we're rooting pleasure. And whatever feels good is the right thing. Whatever feels good is what we need to focus on doing. And at different times in our lives, that's going to shift what we feel comfortable having touched and seen and engaged, what we're in the mood for. That should ebb and flow. If you're always doing the same thing, then you're probably being a little sex negative and a little body negative and not really honoring what's happening in the moment or what's going on in your body. So challenge yourself to really check in with yourself and ask and say, what is it I'm wanting to do? What's, what sexual part of myself do I want to be engaging? And always be willing to kind of set boundaries and change your mind. We can have said we're open to one thing and then in the act really realize that that's not what we want or we want something else and we have to be able to advocate and ask for that. So coming up next, we're going to continue talking about our um, sex tips, trying to save sex lives and normalize eroticism. So stick around for that. And uh, later after that, we'll be closing out with some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Love to hear from you, questions, topics, things you want us to circle back to. All right, y'all, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, talking about some sex tips, things to remember. We were talking in the earlier segment about comfort is key. Our bodies cannot do what they're meant to do in terms of how they function and perform if we are not feeling relaxed and safe with ourselves in the body that we currently have and with our partner. Then we were talking about the fact that you should follow your pleasure and say, I have no expectations. It doesn't matter what I did last time. It doesn't matter what I thought what I'd do when I got here with your partner, with a hookup, whatever it is. You kind of say, what does my body want? What do I feel like we can co-create? The goal is just pleasure and play. We don't have anywhere to go. There's no wrong way, you know, but most of us think sex has to be this, that, and the other thing. We start by kissing, then we touch some genitals, then we have penetration, then we orgasm, and anything outside of that is lesser than or childlike or not complete. Oh my God, what are we doing? We're not, we have to stop with the performance piece. It should be about pleasure and play. And that's what I say to some of my newer clients that haven't worked with me. And it can get frustrating for them where I'll say to them, I will not and cannot help you perform in the perfect idealized way that you think you need to, your partner thinks you need to, and what you've seen in porn. That is a childlike body negative, sex negative version. We will listen to our bodies, honor what our body is up for based on how they're functioning. We will focus on play. We will focus on pleasure and there's no right way and there's no wrong way. And we will learn how to be more confident within that, a fluidity, an openness. We have to get rid of this rigidity and focused on, well, because I'm a man, I need to do this. Because I'm heterosexual, I can only do this. Um, this is what you know I need to do to make my partner happy. No, we're throwing all of that out and we're being more authentic in our bodies and in our sexuality. Another thing to really think about is what we call in my field, body mapping. Thinking about our body. I even have some clients draw a picture of their body. It could be a stick figure. And I say, what parts of your body are you willing to have looked at by someone? What parts of your body are you willing to have touched by someone? Why? We first look at it globally. Is, is it very narrow down to just your genitals or a few parts? Or is it very broad, recognizing your whole body has the capacity of giving you or someone else pleasure? Why are we limiting ourselves to this narrow geography? Why do we start at the mouth and work our way down the genitals and end that way? What if we mixed up those steps? What if we focused on non-genital sex play? 
that throws people off because we tend to do it in step one, step two, step three, step four, or we get habited and patterned. But more importantly, we tend to negate the vast geography that is our total body. Our whole body's a sex organ, not the genitals, not the brain, the entire body. But we really limit it down based on our gender, based on our sexual orientation, based on our body shame. And it's really about pushing on those boundaries and expanding out, turning the lights on, being able to make eye contact, using our full body, engaging our partner's full body, really spreading that out. It's an awesome way to really connect, to build intimacy with yourself and other people, and to really challenge those norms that have held us back. Um, So really ask yourself that. Why do I limit what can be seen or touched? What is that about? And do I want to push on those boundaries and really expand outside of that? That's what sexual development is. A lot of us don't ever ask ourselves that or focus on that or even think in those terms. Um, And there's something very, 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 very healing in that. And that's why I like working with sex, because if we can handle that, which is so vulnerable and so triggering for so many people, then I really trust that we can step outside of that into other highly triggering um, intimacy building based practices. Sometimes it's about lack of safety with your partner. Sometimes it's about verbiage that your partner has used and maybe they've been body shaming or, or, or really verbally abusive. And that is a way to start to kind of confront that, that it is limiting your sex life. It is limiting your relationship to your body and your own eroticism. So I like us doing these exercises to learn about that. Also asking yourself, why do we keep having the same habited pattern kind of sex? What would it mean if we went in with no agenda? And we just let our minds and our bodies and our hands and our mouths wander. That would be the most body positive, sex positive kind of sexuality. Um, So I'm always saying to people, work on making some kind of list of all the things that you are willing to do and aren't willing to do. And if nothing more, just exploring with yourself what that is about. And we learn so much about our culture and our upbringing and our gender training and our fear of you know stepping outside the limits of our sexuality. And I'm seeing so many people pushing on those boundaries and engaging in things that aren't traditionally seen as hetero, oh my God, or traditionally seen as correct for a man or a woman, oh my God, or for a mother, oh my God, stepping outside of these identities that aren't real anyway, that just don't even exist, but we've created as a culture and then we've trapped ourselves within them. And then we police ourselves and others that step outside of it. That is a mess. And so really healthy psychological work is about trying to dismantle all of that and trying to have sex outside of all that as a radical act of authenticity, liberation, and really taking control of your body and your sexuality. Our culture has control of our bodies and sexuality for most of us because we allow those messages and those limits to exist. But true ownership is pushing back on that and saying, I'm going to take control and I'm going to do what makes sense and what feels good for me. I'm no longer following all this cultural messaging that I've internalized. And I will no longer honor that in partners. I won't let them shame me or keep me trapped in that. I'm going to ask for what I want and I'm going to demand acceptance and confidence around that. And anything less than that means that this is not a safe sexual partner um, and I need to find something else. It's really beautiful stuff. All right, y'all, coming up next, DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, and past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, reshare, and listen. Stick around, though. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, kind of in, you know, using DM segments to scatter a few quick uh, sex tips and gems. Again, it's like my little version of a little dessert, a little midday snack. It's like a little drive through window getting, um, I don't know, milkshake, shoving something down. It's like a little Snickers bar, a little treat to take with you. It's a party bag. All right, enough of that. So <laughs> in the other DM segment, I was talking about communicate more. We don't mind read. We ask questions. How's that feel? Do you like that? What do you want me to do? And we share, hey, felt good when you keep doing that. I like that. Vulnerability, y'all, vulnerability. We don't want people to guess or assume every time we're with a new partner. Sometimes even with the same partner, we need to see it as us being a virgin again. I don't know who I am today. I don't know what I feel like I'd want to do today. I don't know what part of my body I'd want to have touched today. And it doesn't matter what you've always done. It doesn't matter what other people have liked. The worst sex partners are people that say things like, I know what everyone likes, or I know what all girls like. No, you don't. They're all different, man. Uh, change it up, switch it up. Being sex positive and body positive is about being in the moment. What do I feel like today? What do me and this specific partner on the specific day feel like doing? We listen to our bodies. We go with the flow. We honor what we're feeling. We also talked about adding novelty. It's the smallest tweaks that often help. It's not bigger, faster, louder, shinier. We sometimes that's it, but other times it's about slowing down, using other parts of our body, bringing something new in, minor changes in the place we do it, how we do it, where we do it, how we start it, how we end it, right? Also, talk about your fantasies. Doesn't always mean it's what you want to do. Just because we fantasize about something or watch it in porn does not mean we want to do it in real life. In fact, the beauty of porn and fantasy is that it isn't real life. And that is a safe place to explore everything and anything. But just talking about our fantasies, if the partner is safe and mature sexually, we have to be very thoughtful. Not everyone's mature enough to be told, even if they ask. But talking about our fantasies itself can just be a sex act. Or talking about them while having sex can be enough. Maybe that's all we want. It doesn't mean, again, we're going to go do it. Or maybe it is about the process of sharing and negotiating and seeing if it's possible, if they're interested in it. And then finally, we'll end on this one, lube lube, lube, and then more lube. We underestimate the necessity and power of lube. Makes things easier. It's better for condoms. If you use the right lubes, check the condom to make sure. Um, also, you gotta be using that more for solo sexuality. Okay, time for our DM. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Kristen Loveline. I was wondering what your thoughts are about polyamory. 
How many is too many in a polyamorous relationship? Is there a cap? Kind of like that question. That's funny to me. So for those that don't know, polyamory means multiple ongoing romantic relationships. It's a form of an open style. When people traditionally just say open relationship, it generally means I have a primary partner, but we have just sexual experiences with others. Polyamory means I have multiple ongoing relationships with more than one person. Everyone is open and aware. It's called ethical non-monogamy. You'll see it on dating apps, E-N-M. Ethical non-monogamy means my partner knows I'm here and I'm looking for more than one partner. And every new partner should demand just as much care and attention unless you discuss otherwise. But you're not lesser than the primary unless you discuss that to be the case and you understand that because sometimes everyone's on the same level and other times it's more hierarchical. They're like, my primary is my primary and you fall in line below that. Now, question was, what's too many? That is a personal decision. It's going to depend on your calendar. How much energy and time do you have? You don't want to be forming all these multiple ongoing relationships when you don't have enough time to still give your job, your hobbies, your friends, and your original or primary partner. They're not going to be cool, you know, not finding room in that schedule. So if you don't have a lot of time, you might have room for only one partner. If you have a little bit of extra time, maybe just one more and you have two. If you have all the time in the world, maybe three or four, but there is a limit. We can only handle so many, but that's a personal decision. And you have to discuss that with your other partners because a lot of people, that's part of it, making sure our needs are getting met and we're getting everything we're looking for. And how do we feel about others being brought in? So it's a personal decision. And then sometimes a relational decision that you and your partner talk about based on how things are already going, what you have time and space for. And uh, you start running that calendar, putting a calendar, a shared calendar on your phone or calendar on the fridge and making sure we have a date night for everyone and everyone's getting their needs met and everyone's happy. And then we're good, you know? All right, y'all, that is our show. Spend the rest of the night and this weekend focusing on tons of leisure, tons of self-care and as much rest as possible as always. Be kind with yourselves. Be kind with those around you. Drop the bar a little bit. We're all struggling and doing the best we can. Past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Check out that stuff. Tons of repetitions helpful for us. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just down. Download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.